live from St. Louis, Missouri, it's the Technically Speaking Podcast. Brought to you by Doherty Business Solutions. Get ready, because it's time to talk nerdy on the Technically Speaking Podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Technically Speaking Podcast. We are broadcasting live from the St. Charles Convention Center in beautiful downtown St. Charles, I guess. Um, uh, with me today, before I lose my train of thought, we have Colleen Johnson, who is the uh, practice director of Agile, Adaptive Agile at Imagine X Consulting. That's a mouthful. Yeah, it so is. So you're a very important person. The longer the longer the title, the more important the person. We tried to put, put as many words into our titles as possible. <laughs> and then next to me, we have Suzanne Zimmerman. Say hello. Hello, everyone. I'm kind of afraid to say my title. It's not nearly as long. <laughs> <laughs> but you're still important. Of course. So I am actually a program manager in Agile Transformation League. So she knows Agile, and I know the buttons, basically. <laughs> Both important. Yeah. So um, you're a speaker here at uh, the Agile Midwest Conference. It's a great big conference, and you are speaking kind of more directly about Kanban, right? That's correct, yeah. I'm, I'm speaking about end-to-end Kanban for the whole organization. So I'm going to be telling a story mostly and sharing some, some um, fails along the way of how we scaled Kanban from um, the team level and transitioned our teams. We ended up with 11 teams running Kanban. Um, got pretty pretty quick at it and pretty efficient at it and then realized that um, we had only optimized one part of our system. And uh, I always equate that to the don't skip legs day meme that you see with the really muscle-bound oh, guy yeah. up top. With the chicken legs. <laughs> the chicken legs. Yeah. So we got really strong up top and um, the rest of the business started falling behind. So we saw that um, product couldn't keep up and couldn't get requirements to the teams fast enough which sounds like a great problem to have, but it created a big void where we were um, cranking things out and then waiting. Um, And then marketing was actually asking us to slow down and not release so much so quickly. So we took all the Kanban practices that helped engineering become really efficient and scaled them up to the entire organization and had a Kanban flow that started with product strategy and um, ideation and went all the way through to sales. I mean, I guess that kind of hits at the... uh the, the bullseye for why you need to have um, buy-in yeah. from leadership, right? Because it seems like, you know, uh, from my own experience that you have organizations that kind of decide um, to, like, to go to go agile, but maybe not the entire organization. Like you'll have IT or you'll have um, in, another various uh, piece of the organization. So that kind of speaks to the idea of you can't do this in, in bits. You need to bite the whole thing, right? Absolutely. And I think um, I think what happens in a lot of those cases is you only see so much efficiency if you can only implement it in certain pockets of the business. Um, it'll stall out eventually. Um, and what we were able to do at this organization was really scale it across the entire business so that everyone was truly agile. We got to see a lot of those things um, that agile promises, right? Predictability, um, the ability to change quickly um, and be really um, adaptable in what we were delivering, all of those things came to fruition once we really scaled it across all different parts of the business. So being a consultant and working with a lot of outside companies, is there kind of like a similar point that you get to where it's like, we understand it to this to this degree, but didn't realize that it went you know, this much further? Kind of talk about that experience. Yeah, I think being a consultant, it's interesting. A lot of people call us 
um, looking to start their agile transformation, right? So starting with teams, and that's where most people say, can you come in and help this engineering team or this this program with all of their um, their teams in, in leveraging Scrum or leveraging Kanban? Um, I usually t like to take a step back and start with, where do your requirements come from? How do we break them down? Tell me how you start a new project. How do you kick it off? How do we bring those ideas to the team and get them involved with um, really solving the problem together and not just being handed a pile of requirements or user stories. Um, I think a lot of it has to start way upstream in order for Agile to be effective. If we start just with the team mechanics and the process, um, you, can, you can run Scrum um, by, you know, by the book, but if the work isn't broken down in a way that enables you to deliver incremental, incrementally and get feedback incrementally, um, it's not you're, you're not getting all the benefits of agile so there's um, a there's a lot of buy-in it seems like on you know the fundamentals of what the benefits are going to be if you actually have already adopted agile behaviors and process well process isn't the right word but you know in that space you know they they understand what they want out of it but they don't understand what they want to put into it just yet absolutely absolutely yeah and I think um, I've been spending a lot of time over the last year doing consulting work with teams that it's, it's more upstream. So focusing on how to get the upstream breakdown ready for the teams to consume. And I think that that's exciting to me because it's, it's kind of saying, okay, let's make sure we're investing resources and energy and education up front so the teams can be more successful on the delivery side. So do you find that, uh, that coming in a lot of times leadership feels like there's a start and a stop for you know, agile, like, you know, you just kind of just get us started and we'll go. Um, or I mean, because it's kind of this idea of uh, just changing a mindset. It's not necessarily like a drop in uh, a drop in kind of thing. So can you talk a little bit about that? It's funny. We were joking about the title at the beginning, but one of the first things I did um, in my role with ImagineX was asked them to drop transformation from the title <laughs> because mm -hmm. I feel like it does imply that I'm going to come in and we're going to save the day and we have this whole team and then we're going to get you to an end point. Um, and we switched the title to be of our practice to be Adaptive Agile just for that reason. So we want to start with where you are, mm -hmm. get an understanding of what your business goals are, and then help figure out how to tailor Agile practices to fit your specific needs and then continue to adapt them um, based on how you're performing and what kind of feedback you're getting rather than saying that there is a specific end point that we're going to get you to. Yeah. I mean, isn't it, isn't it just kind of like life in general or, you know, uh, maintaining a, a healthy lifestyle? Uh, I'm just going to go, I'm going to work out a couple of days a week. And then uh, once I lose my 15 pounds, that I need to, <laughs> I need to lose, then I'm, I'm good. No, it's about like, you know, it, not eating McDonald's uh, every day or, you know, it's, it's a longer end game. So uh, I think, you know, maybe if, if organizations kind of looked at it that way of, I'm not just, uh, you know, I'm not just going to eat a lighter dinner tonight. I'm going to uh, cut carbs right. out of my life. Or, it's a I, lifestyle I, change. It's a lifestyle right. change. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, you, um, so you're speaking here at this conference, but you're also kind of instrumental out in Colorado where you're from. Uh, Mile High Agile, I understand. And you, you're kind of involved in that scene out there, too. So tell us about that. Yeah. Mile High Agile is, is uh, an, an amazing conference. We've had over 800 people for the last four years and completely sold out. Last year was our first year as a two-day conference. Um, we've actually followed a format similar to Agile Midwest, where we did a day of 
of tracked presentations and then a day of open space. Um, it was interesting. Open space can feel very scary for folks who haven't gone through it yet or feel, you know, we definitely heard, is it a waste of time? Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm going to get out of it. Um, but we had great, great feedback on it. Um, actually, one of Trisha Broderick's coworkers, Jake Calabrese, was our facilitator. He did a fantastic job kicking it off. And um, we just had such a, such a great conference this past year. So we'll, we're going to continue with two days this year for 2000, or I guess next year, 2018. And um, hopefully we'll see a return of that open space session. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild to uh, see how Agile has just kind of taken over everything. I mean, earlier we had a, uh, a session of uh, how, uh, you know, music, hip-hop specifically, has um, kind of worked uh, its fingers into Agile or, or vice versa. Um, project management, I mean, it all started kind of from development, and it's now just branched out into kind of just everything, right? It's just swallowed swallowed everything. Yeah, I've seen a lot of work um, around Agile from marketing teams, mm -hmm. which is awesome. Um, and then also HR, which makes a ton of sense when you right. think about the people elements of Agile. Um, to well, see and how flexible that area in particular has to be to the changing market or the changing yep. situation within the company. And, and I think when you think about feedback loops, right, when you mm -hmm. want to say, like, how are the, the things that we're doing on the front impacting our delivery, and then how do we take that feedback and fold it into changing the way that we work? From an HR right. perspective, that's such a valuable cycle to have mm -hmm. in place. So that's I'm excited to see that kind of coming together. Yeah. So um, you're also uh, the founder or co-founder of a of a tool that uh, that's used for retrospectives, right? Can you? It's called uh, Scatterspoke. Yeah, Scatterspoke's been around for two years now. Um, started off as a very simple board, right? Just a way to have a retrospective with distributed teams. Um, from the consulting side, I kept working with groups where we would either cancel the retro, um, even if one person was homesick or couldn't participate, we would postpone them, cancel them. Um, and, I, and it kind of was born out of like, there has to be a better way to do this than pointing my iPad at a whiteboard and trying to get through a retrospective so we don't have to cancel it. Um, and it was very feedback driven. So we just constantly asked the users for feedback on, um, you know, what would you like? Well, we'd like to be able to vote. We'd like to be able to group cards together. Um, and it has evolved into a pretty powerful tool now where you can add your cards from your Slack channel. Um, it's funny, we targeted, we were really targeting distributed teams at first, but what we found um, was a really amazing way to use the tool is to kind of preload your retro, make notes of things right when they happen, and then you get to spend your whole hour actually talking about them instead of trying to remember what you did the last yeah, two weeks. That's a good point. Um, so that the ability to add your cards right from Slack is pretty cool, and then you're your Slack bot can get smarter as you go. So mm -hmm. it can, if you say, um, our build failed, right? Um, the Slack bot will say, do you want to add a card for that to your mm -hmm. retro? Um, and we were in the process of implementing a lot of new analytics in the tool that will give you trend analysis over time. And are your retros trending towards more happy tones or more negative tones? Um, so you can look to see how not just your team is doing, but multiple teams inside of one program are doing too. That's awesome. That sounds really helpful. Especially, I like the the concept of having kind of a running total. You know, you're kind of being able to act on those things in the moment so that you don't forget about them later. Well, it's funny. I think um, even when we're really good at looking back one retro mm -hmm. from a facilitation standpoint and saying, you know, what did we say we were going to do? Um, did we follow up on action items? We're still only getting potentially a four-week look back. 
Right. Um, when you have all of that data in one place and you can look at those trends over time and um, what were the issues we talked about three months ago, that's a really powerful way to use your retrospective data. Yeah. Well, awesome. Um, Colleen, uh, you're speaking later on today. Uh, again, end-to-end Kanban for the whole organization. If people have uh, questions, want to reach out to you, maybe they want to hear more about Scatterspoke. Um, if they, if they want to just um, talk to you, uh, how, how, do, how do they reach you? Um, Twitter is a great way to find me. I'm on Twitter at ScrumHive. And then um, email as well, Colleen at scatterspoke.com. It's C-O-L-L-E-E-N. And you can connect with me on LinkedIn as well. I love to keep the conversation going about Kanban or retrospectives, um, scaling, hip hop. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, I appreciate you coming on and and, uh, having a conversation with us. Um, For everybody out there, go and check out Scatterspoke. Uh, It's at scatterspoke.com, right? Yep. Um, Colleen, again, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Technically Speaking Podcast. Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at SpeakTech or like our page at Facebook.com slash SpeakTechPodcast. If you have suggestions or questions related to the show or would like to be considered as a future guest, send feedback and inquiries to hey at SpeakTechPodcast.com. I'm Zach Lands, and thank you for listening to the Technically Speaking Podcast.